So there are a few topics out there that are hot buttons. One of them is money. Another is sex. And the third, which is what we're talking about today, is food. What we eat, why we do, how we feel about it, the shame, the blame, the hiding, the guilt, the struggle, the conforming, the not wanting to conform, the rebellion, all of it. So today we hear from an expert, Kate Bowser. Kate Bowser is a health coach who inspires women to get healthy while still enjoying their lives. After trying every diet out there and realizing that extreme measures only lead to failure, she took matters into her own hands to learn how to moderate her habits, and she is finally living her healthiest life while still enjoying her Prosecco. Kate is the founder of Healthy Plate Kate and the Effortless Eating Game Plan, and she loves educating people on easy swaps that they can make to optimize their health. Kate holds her bachelor's in biology and is a certified integrative nutrition health coach. You're going to love what she has to share. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. I'm thrilled to be sitting here in person with you, Kate. For everyone listening, when I saw what Kate is doing with her business, with her health coaching, and I saw that she's focusing on, among other things, but has a passion for teaching people intuitive eating and listening to their own bodies and not just eating the way society tells them or even a dietitian tells them or a doctor tells them or a, or a health coach tells them. I wanted to have her on the podcast. And Kate, so here at BU, and I know you follow the podcast, we're really passionate about helping women or giving women permission to do that in all areas of their life, but we have not even touched on eating or food or health as far as physical health at all. So I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that we get to chat with you today. So why don't we start off with you just sharing what is your philosophy and theory on eating? It's such a complex and triggering topic. Or actually, let me back up because I know you know I shared with you my background. I'll tell the listeners a little bit. I'm going to bear all here. So when it comes to eating, I have had a bizarre... Well, I shouldn't judge it, but an interesting dance with eating and food forever. So I would tell you if I've had an eating disorder, I I would. It's very common that women do. I actually never have. But what I was telling Kate is that I feel like I'm wired for one. Like I've never had an eating disorder, but I can relate to those people. The way they think about food, the way they talk about the struggle, it's very similar to me. So for years and years and years and years, 
until a year and a half ago. I was always the same weight. I was always the same size and my clothes always fit. And I felt really good about that and without much effort at all. And so it allowed me to eat whatever I wanted. You know, a lot of times the food was not just not good for me. It was toxic and I didn't know it. So there came a point in time where I woke up to wellness, nutrition, and food and decided to feed my body better and really learn more. And I became extremely passionate, but still never had a scale, never dieted. But even while I was eating really well, and I, and for me, I would say, because I know you're probably going to talk about this, for me, eating well was not eating a lot of processed junk, not drinking soda all the time, not eating fast food like I had before, eating more plants, lots of green, alive, real food. But even with that underneath it was this, what I think now is, you can tell us on this episode, but I think it was some sort of addiction, like with sugar. But it was an emotional thing too. It wasn't just that physical addiction after you have sugar. I would find myself going into these cycles that would repeat. But the problem is I never gained weight and I didn't have a quote bad outcome. So I just kept doing it. But I always felt bad about it and weird about it. And I I didn't want to talk about it. And I thought, why is it that when I feel bad, I do more. In other words, like if you crack your phone, it's like smashing it with a sledgehammer, right? I would do that. If I'm going to have three or four cookies and have a little bit, well, then well, shit, I'm just going to go ahead and go and eat a whole pizza and have three Cokes. And, and I know a lot of women can't relate to that. They're like, what? That was me. So that's my background. And you know, because you've been helping me that recently, as I've done this podcast, which, you know, we teach what we need to learn, I feel like my eating has never been better, never been more under control. But at the same time, swear on my life, I haven't had anything to eat yet, want to do intermittent fasting, but haven't done it today, and I had two pieces of chocolate. However, it's not the old me. I don't feel bad about it. I'm not stressed about it. I just feel that buzzing that I get from sugar and realize, okay, I need to get some good food into me soon. So it's really interesting. I know you'd be happy to hear that, that I don't have that cycle of the emotional mental stuff happening lately. So anyway, why don't you take it away here? First, starting again with your philosophy on eating, wellness, and nutrition. And then if you want to use me as a guinea pig, you can go ahead and do that. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And my gosh, when you were talking, I should have been taking notes because you touched on so many things. I wanted to be like, yes, 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 about all of that. And I think so much of it, so my philosophy really is that our bodies know what we need. And so often we reject what our bodies are trying to tell us because we're trying to fit into some program or system or book we've read or rules that someone else has told us we are meant to follow. And that goes against what our bodies are actually wanting from us. And so one of the things that you touched on with this you're doing well. And then all of a sudden you go off the rails and you know one piece of chocolate turns into a whole chocolate cake. I mean, so many people I think can relate to that. And I'm definitely one of them. You know, my story is a little different than yours. I ate well. I mean, I feel like we had some awareness around good food in my house growing up, but it was definitely a diet mentality. And I didn't really have to worry too much about what I ate when I was young. And as soon as I went to college, it was like the classic freshman 15. But for me, it was like literally the freshman 30 in one semester. I mean, I came home my freshman year of college and people didn't recognize me because I had gained so much weight. And so that set me down this path. And I subsequently lost weight in literally every decade of my life. But it's something that I've always had to keep in check. But I was very much like you, where I used to feel that I had this all or nothing mentality where 
I'm never eating French fries again in my life because French fries are bad. So there was the labeling of food, which I do not believe in anymore, but there was the labeling of food. And then as soon as we broke that rule of, well, I'm never eating French fries again, but I mean, let's all be honest, French fries are delicious and I think they should be a part of our life. So the minute I had one French fry, I was like, well, shit, I'm, I'm going to have French fries now. And, you know, I'm going to eat all of the French fries and it's Wednesday. So I think I'll just start again on Monday. So now for the next five days, I'm just going to eat like crap because I broke the rule. And the rule was that I don't eat French fries. And so I think at this point in my life, I'm very much at a place where I have found so much balance around food. And I, I don't want there to be these rigid, hard rules because that's what gets us into trouble. At the same time, I think that there are some fundamental guidelines that are good for people to know. I think that anybody should, and, and everybody and everybody should be cutting back on processed foods, right? There's not a lot of health benefit to processed foods. So the more we can reduce our processed food intake, the healthier we will all be. I think it's pretty clear everybody should be drinking more water. Everybody should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep at night. We should try moving our body most days of the week. But again, these don't have to be super extreme things. Moving your body doesn't have to turn into, I do three hours on the treadmill or I go to CrossFit every single day or I, I always do this or that because again, it gets back into the labeling of things. And then the minute we miss a CrossFit workout, well then I guess I'm no longer a CrossFitter. And so now I'm just going to go down this shame spiral and I'm never going to exercise again because I failed. And so I feel like so often we're setting ourselves up for failure when really, if we just give ourselves grace and we know some fundamentals that we should be doing, we will be in such a better place. Okay, so let's go back. This is this is pretty pretty fundamental, but I do think there are still people who don't really understand what it means when you say processed food. They're pretty sure, but I'm I'm shocked that you know in this year there are still people that will say, "Okay, I think I know," but they think processed food just means eating you know, uh, a toxic fast food box, they don't realize that what's in the refrigerator and their pantry is toxic. Maybe just give a few examples or just a, a quick explanation of what it means when you say a processed food as opposed to a what? Yeah, so that's a great question. So a processed food, I mean, you could really run the gamut. I mean, technically, something as simple as cheese and yogurt are processed because they're not in their whole original form. And so this is a spectrum. And I definitely believe that we should all always be moving into the direction of food in its most natural state as possible. So I like to tell people to buy ingredients instead of food or food products. So when you're cooking from scratch, it means, you know, I'm going to be buying the beans in a bag, or if I can get it in a bulk bin, that's great, you know, but buying actual ingredients and then compiling them into a meal or a snack is always, I think, the best solution. Of course, that's not real life for every single person. And so buying things, if they can, if you can buy something that doesn't come in a package, that to me is a processed food. A processed food comes in a package. There's going to be a nutrition label on it. There's going to be sometimes a health claim. And generally, I feel like the things that have health claims are the things that you want to run far, far away from. Yeah. You know, it's like the cereal that's like, this is good for your heart. It's like, but there's tons of sugar and tons of chemicals in there. So anything that doesn't come in a package is great. But that's not to say that, you know, only that you can never eat anything in a package either. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So the less of the processed stuff, more of the, would you say like the whole food that actually comes from the earth? 
yeah, you know, buy a sweet potato, cut it up yourself. The fact that they sell sweet potatoes wrapped in plastic just <laughs> boggles my mind. <laughs> like, why, why do we have to do that? But yeah, so buy a food that doesn't come in a box or a bag or come processed in some way if you can. But then of course, we, we do need a little bit of convenience in our lives. It's not real li- realistic for me to say, make every single meal from scratch, three meals a day, two snacks, whatever it is. So when you are buying food that comes in a package, let's then turn it around and let's look at the label. Let's look at the ingredients. How many ingredients are on there? And can you pronounce them? You know, I strive to have ingredients that have, you know, three to five ingredients listed on the package. Hopefully I can pronounce all of them. They're not filled with fillers and preservatives that are just giving it a shelf life. So that's my next tier. You know, if I can buy the whole food, I want to buy the whole food. If I'm going to buy something in a package, I want there to be minimally processed um, or very few ingredients. You know, we eat tofu in our house. And so tofu is processed soy. I make sure that it's GMO free, but it really is like soybeans and salt and water. So that's an example of processed foods, but there's only three ingredients there. Well, and I know with what you do, the listeners can, and we'll we'll talk about this in the end, but connect with you and have you coach them and you have programs and you have ways for them to figure out what to buy and what to eat. So let's go into the intuitive part. Let's just go right into that. Because again, that's what we think about in the collective. It's like, if we're saying, be yourself, be you, I honestly didn't even make the connection with eating and food until you and I were talking that like, wait a minute, this also applies to food. And I might say, yeah, the the real me wants a donut. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure I want an Oreo. <laughs> Who doesn't want an Oreo? Right, right, right. But even that, okay, you just laughing and saying who doesn't want an Oreo, that is freeing because a lot of women listening, right, when they see your beautiful picture and they see how healthy you are and they see what your coaching is suggesting, they're going to think there's no way in hell this woman would ever touch an Oreo. And it's probably good if you didn't. But I like the fact that you say, well, who doesn't want an Oreo? Because it's intimidating when most women think of a health coach you know, a nutritionist, a dietitian, we feel already, it's almost like when you're, you haven't done anything wrong and you see a cop, it's like, yeah. I feel guilty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done nothing wrong, but somehow I feel like I'm, I've done something wrong. I, I'm like, anyway, so I think a lot of people feel that way when we see people in your profession. And I love the fact that you are so not about labeling, but you also don't label people. You're not labeling us. You're not shaming us. There's so much freedom in what you teach. That's why I'm attracted to what you're doing because someone like me, okay, I could do that. I've tried all the other stuff. I have been vegan. Vegan's great. I know that. I have a lot of people I admire that will explain to you why every person should be vegan. I've watched the documentaries, but you know what? I'm okay with saying I don't need to be vegan all the time. I've given myself permission and I feel like the freedom around that is better for my health than if I was vegan. Absolutely. And you know what? So I love that you brought that up because that's actually where I was going when you started talking about labels. So I do eat. So I was vegetarian. I'm doing air quotes. None of you can see, but I was vegetarian for eight years and I no longer am vegetarian because I found when I was vegetarian, I was eating a ton of processed vegetarian food. I was trying to eat the way that a meat eater would eat, but substitute it with fake meat. And it wasn't until I, you know, I, and then I eventually I read so many books and I got into a very whole food mentality. So we definitely switched to eating more beans and legumes and lentils. And, and I still do a lot of that. 
And yet I found myself, you know, I found a regenerative farm near me, which means they have animals on the farm and they use the animals to help maintain the farm. So the animals are really well kept and cared for, but they don't need to use a lot of pesticides and herbicides to cut down on the weeds because the animals are doing the grazing that keep, Mm. you know, so it's like this little ecosystem of a farm. So the animals are really well cared for and tended to, and then they're fed what animals are meant to be eating, not like food lot grains. So for me, I got to a point where I feel so much better ethically supporting a farm like that and getting my meat there than eating a fake burger that's filled with chemicals, but it doesn't have an animal in it, right? So that you could fit into the label. So you could fit into the category. Exactly. And so when people see me eating that way, like, you know, the days that I do eat, you know, my there was a time where my daughter was taking like tofu and rice and cucumbers for lunch and people are just kind of stare at her because, you know, it's kind of weird in elementary school to be eating. But people see us eating that and think, oh, are you vegetarian? Are you a vegan? Are you a plant-based eater? And I say, I eat food and I do not like labels around it. Oh, I love it. Because the minute you put a label on it, then again, what happens the day that your body says, that doesn't feel right to me and I don't want to eat that today? then you're going to start labeling yourself as bad or wrong or shame yourself. And that's when we go down that dreaded shame spiral. So yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I do love Oreos. I mean, well, Newman, Newman's O's are the ones that we buy in our household because they're a little cleaner. But yeah, so I got into this whole intuitive eating around that same thing about the lentils. So you know, there are clean foods that you can, you can do any Google search of what are the clean foods? What are the superfoods? And they'll tell you, these are some foods that are really great for us, right? They probably have some protein in them. They might have some fiber or some antioxidants or whatever they have in them. Yes, they're very good for us, theoretically, but that does not mean that your body can tolerate them. And it really, I went down this road of like, I was following this program and they were telling us how gluten and dairy can be very inflammatory in the body. And that was very true. It really, it helped a lot with my habits. And so I had substituted cheese for hummus. So I cut out the cheese and I started eating a lot of hummus. And I realized I was having a lot of gastrointestinal upset, (laughs) distress, we'll call it. And I realized it was the chickpeas that basically give me a ton of gas. Mm. (laughs) So even though chickpeas are really good for us, your body and your gut f- microbiome and flora may not tolerate them very well. doesn't mean you can never eat them, but just realize that I started to make the connection like, gee, when I eat this, I feel that way. Isn't that interesting that that's a food that I'm supposed to be eating and yet I don't feel good when I eat it. So why am I eating it? And similarly, I feel good when I eat chicken from the farm that we buy it from. You know, For me, I feel really good when I can eat some clean chicken and some vegetables and some rice that I feel my body does really well on that type of diet. So there might be people that don't tolerate meat very well. And there might be people that can't tolerate lentils or beans very well. So I, as a health coach, can't tell you what you should be eating. I can give you some guidelines. We can talk about where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Let me get, okay. I'm like trying not to interrupt because this is so exciting to me, this conversation. Okay. So we have, I just found out yesterday, we have listeners in 17 countries. You know, we have hundreds of people in India. And so all of you listeners who are not from the United States, I know you're, you you might be laughing a little bit because we eat so badly compared to you. Just so you know, we're aware. (laughs) 
we tip our hat to all of you. And at the same time, we also have people who choose to be vegan for, for ethics, some for religious reasons. And so those of you listening, Kate is not saying everyone should eat chicken raised in this situation that I get my chicken from. And if you really heard her, she said, this is how I eat because I feel great that way. And I'm sitting here trying not to explode out of my skin because I'm making these connections as you're speaking. And it's so obvious, but to me, it wasn't that this is so what we're talking about. Like here you are telling us, listen to your body, listen to that inner knowing and eat the way you need to eat. But as you're talking, I was realizing we're so busy listening to experts and friends and media and magazines and trying to be other things that we're hurting ourselves. And we're also not in our whole, our body is saying, hello, hello. (laughs) All I'm saying is I don't love chickpeas. You know, I just think it's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. One of the other ways that this intuitive eating thing came about was really around intermittent fasting. So I heard you mention intermittent fasting. That was one of the other topics I wanted to mention. So I do follow a form of intermittent fasting. You know, people will ask, well, what do you do? Like, I don't, I'm going to get the numbers wrong because I don't buy into them, but like 16, eight and 14, whatever. I don't know. Like they ask me these things. I'm like, I mean, for me, intermittent fasting means I'm not waking up in the morning and eating right away. You know, for the longest time, all the books that I read, it was, you need three meals a day. Breakfast is very important. You need to eat in the morning to start your metabolism. Well, guess what? You know what? It was the cereal companies that funded all that research that told us that breakfast was super important and we had to eat first thing in the morning because they wanted to sell us cereal. So breakfast, if you feel good having a huge breakfast, eat it for sure. But I want people to just stop and think, you know, I had a call with someone yesterday and we were just talking about what is she eating and how is she feeling? She was telling me what she does in the morning. And I asked her, I'm like, so tell me, like, are you hungry in the morning when you wake up and you're going to eat what you're telling me you're about to eat? Are you hungry at that moment? And she couldn't answer the question because I think we wake up and we eat. Because that's what we've been told to do our whole entire lives. As you wake up, you have breakfast. If you're listening, I want you to think about tomorrow morning when you wake up. If you haven't eaten yet today, good, do it today. But before you have breakfast, actually ask yourself, am I hungry? I think we need to just start stopping and tuning into our bodies and asking what it wants. And you teach this so much in the podcast, but am I actually hungry at this moment? And if you're not, don't eat yet. So I started eating later and later in the mornings. And there would be some days where I was working from home and it would be 11 o'clock and be like, oh my goodness, I haven't had breakfast yet. And at that time, at the time, it was like, that was very, very late for me. There are some days now where I don't eat till one o'clock. Now, listen, there are some days where I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, I am starving. I didn't eat much yesterday. So I might have breakfast at 930. So I don't love the idea of intermittent fasting and these rigid rules because I comes back to rules. You can tell I'm, even though I'm very much a rule follower in a lot of my life, I think that we need to create our own rules. So I think I very much believe in the idea of guidelines, some fundamentals, learning some fundamentals about, you know, how can you stabilize your blood sugar? You know, when I do eat, when I do choose to eat, I like to make sure that I'm having not just a very simple carbohydrate because, you know, what that's going to do to my blood sugar. So I think that there's some awareness that we should all have around just the basics of the biology of eating which I love teaching my clients and 
I'll be blogging about as well. But just not getting into these hard and fast rules about what to eat and when to eat and how many times to eat and all of that, just really, truly looking inward and thinking, am I hungry in this moment before you put food in your mouth? Okay. So does this also apply? Because the trend now in the United States is that everyone needs to and should be gluten-free, dairy-free, free, 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 free of everything. And there's like social pressure. Like you're a little bit cooler if you're a gluten-free and dairy-free. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, you sometimes will make a joke about it because sometimes I'll say like when we used to eat out more, I would say at a restaurant, I'll have extra gluten and the waitress looks at me or the server looks, looks at me like, you know, because I'm uncomfortable saying I'm, yeah, hello, I know I'm ordering something full of dairy and gluten. Please don't judge. Or people will say that. Don't judge me. And I used to be one of those people. So I was totally one of those people who was like, oh my God, people have been eating bread forever. Like we're fine. You can have your gluten, you know? And I knew that I actually know some people that have very, very severe reactions to gluten. And so I knew that, you know, they certainly couldn't have it. But for the vast majority of people that this whole gluten-free trend was that it was just that it was a trend. So I actually really rejected the gluten-free movement for a really long time. And so it's been very ironic to me that I have now eliminated gluten because it was one of the last things that I did. You know, I, I tried it on for size. I, would, I followed that program where, you know, I cut it out. And listen, I love the idea of trying something for two weeks. If you think that, you know, I want to see what this whole gluten-free thing is all about, do it for two weeks. Because you know what? Hopefully, you're going to stay away from the processed gluten-free products because that's not any better for you, right? But if going gluten-free helps you embrace brown rice and quinoa as the base for a great healthy meal, I think that's fantastic. If it helps you find some, maybe a smoothie recipe or an oatmeal recipe for breakfast that's not a bagel or waffles or pancakes or toast, then I think that that's fantastic. So use it as an opportunity to expand what you're eating, not just buy a free from a gluten-free version of what you're already eating. I think that's a great strategy. But certainly gluten isn't a problem for everybody but it might be for you. So don't just go gluten-free because you think it's going to help you lose weight because it won't, not necessarily. Don't go free from something just because it's a trend. But I fully support the idea of trying it on for size and just really seeing, hey, what happens when I eliminate this? You know, with the whole chickpea thing, something that's so good for me, it took me, it's, a, it's embarrassing to admit, but years to figure out that was causing all that bloating and gas and pain in my body, you know, because it was so good for me. I just was ignoring my body symptoms. So I actually developed a journal for people. If you are interested in exploring the foods that you're eating and what they're doing in your body, I developed a journal. You can download it from my website. If you go to katebowser.com forward slash journal, you can download it. It's a free journal. And it really, I say in the journal, in the introduction, we are not counting calories. We are not tracking portion sizes. We're not weighing anything. This is not about getting into how much you're eating of anything, unless that might be triggering for you. But certainly, I want to explore how are you feeling before you eat? What are you choosing to eat in that moment? And then how is it making you feel afterwards? And if it can help you make some connections that maybe going gluten-free will make you feel better. But if it's not a problem for you, you don't need to eliminate it. I love it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about sugar because you know that's my oh, Achilles heel and I know I'm not the only person. That is something that 
I would guess, you're the expert, not me, that everyone would benefit from having less sugar. But let's talk a little bit about just, just that whole topic. The, in, in, I mean, like physiologically what happens, but also there's an emotional toxic relationship that a lot of us have with sugar. Absolutely. Yeah. Sugar is definitely one of those things that is just not great for us in huge quantities. And, you know, I say these things and I feel like everybody's heard them, but clearly not everybody's heard them. But um, the relationship between sugar and our brain, when people consume sugar, the same part of our brain is activated that is also activated when people use cocaine, except sugar activates your brain harder and faster and more intensely. It is an addiction for sure. And then what you tied into the emotional aspect of it, it also ties into this whole aspect of eating and food that we eat not just for biological reasons, we eat for emotional reasons, and we all have a history with food. And so for a lot of us, when you had a bad day, maybe in your household, you are comforted by a warm plate of cookies. Or if you got the promotion or you got a good grade, then you were celebrated with an ice cream sundae. And so those are things that get ingrained. You talked about the subconscious mind, right? And that's just so much of who we are. The, the episode all about, you know, our parenthood and like the things that we, the things that happened in our childhood to stay with us. The same is true with our relationship with food. And so again, just going back to when you're craving that sugar, what's going on in your life? How are you feeling? You know, one of the things that I do with my coaching clients is we explore 12 areas of our life outside of food. And we actually, I actually consider them more important than the food you're putting in your mouth because you could be the cleanest eater in the world. But if you have a deficiency in your relationships or in your career or in your finances or even in your creativity and joy, you know, if those things are lacking in your life, you may be trying to fill that void with food and not even realizing it. So we dive deep into 12 other areas, not just the food that we're eating. So I love the idea of connecting emotional, how are you feeling when you're going to eat that food? And again, like, I don't want to be that person that says, I mean, I love a brownie sundae. Like, <laughs> they're fantastic. So I'm saying, don't, I'm not saying don't ever eat them again, but just be very conscious about what you're eating and why you're eating it. And if it's something that you don't get all that often and you just want it, you want it, even though you're full, like I'm here at this restaurant and this is my favorite dessert and I don't come here very often, get the dessert. Don't beat yourself up about it. But maybe the next day, before you start eating the next day, think, am I hungry yet? Do I need to start eating yet? So I think that that's first and foremost. But then finding ways to satisfy that sweetness craving that we all have with whole foods, I think is a really other is one of the more powerful ways that you can explore that. So, you know, um, include more sweet vegetables in your diet. If you're someone that really has a sweet tooth, then, you know, maybe you need to be eating a little more sweet potatoes. If you like beets, I find beets kind of sweet. So um, those root vegetables have some natural sugars in them. So maybe you should incorporate more of those into your diet. Have more fruit in your life. You know, I don't love these diets that say, don't eat fruit. Like, oh my goodness, like it's grown from the earth. Eat it, please. It has fiber and it has nutrients. It was grown for a reason. So maybe you just need more sweet foods in your life. And so try to find them with sweet vegetables and fruit if possible. And then when you are going to do something, if you can cook it at home, so much better than eating it out of a package. If you can replace one of the processed sugars with maple syrup or honey, I think that's great. 
you need less of them and they have some actual you know, phytonutrients in them. So I think those are some other great strategies if you're someone who really craves sugar. Well, I, I know for me in the first, you know, when I'm really in a bad way with sugar, if I just eliminate it completely for three days, tell me if there's any science behind this, but after three days, it's like I'm clean. This is why I know it's an addiction. I'm clean. Yeah. And then I literally don't crave it. And then what you're saying makes sense. The interesting thing is when I'm not in that healthy state of my mind with eating, which means I'm eating a ton of sugar, I look at people who are eating sweet potatoes and beets and I'm like, F that. I mean, (laughs) I know really, I look at it and I'm like, it's easy to say that I should get my sweetness from those foods. But all I want, my body is, when you say tune into your body, my body's saying, go get an Oreo, dip it in chocolate and have a Coke. Like my body's telling me that. So it's interesting, right? Because there's a difference between what our physical body is craving. When you say tune into your body, I know what you mean. But for everyone out there listening, we're referring to something much deeper than that. It's that wisdom in you that overrides what your physical body is asking for. You know, internally, when you meditate, when you quiet your mind, when you ask your soul, what do I need? It's certainly not going to ask for processed sugary crap. It's going to make you feel horrible, right? So when I don't eat it for a few days and then I kind of come out of the fog, I do feel like I'm, I'm like, oh, this is how people live. This is normal. Do you find, do you have clients that are like that too? Oh, absolutely. And even myself, you know, there are times where I'll get into a habit of eating a lot of something. And so when you can cut it out, like you're saying, if you can eliminate it, for sure, eliminate it. There's no need, there's no biological need for processed sugar in our diet. We do not need it. So if you do feel like you're in such an addictive spiral or it has such a hold on you, like I just don't love the idea of anything that I need it that much, you know, like that's not a fun way to live. And so if you're in that place, and you want to try this on for size 100%, I would say eliminate all sugar and look for the hidden sugars because there's hidden sugars. in. I mean, there's added sugars in everything, in your pasta sauces, in your uh, salad dressings, ketchup, barbecue sauce, like good Lord, like anything that comes in a jar (laughs) probably has sugar in it. So look for it everywhere. But certainly if you cut out as many sources of sugar as possible, and then you'll become one of those people where carrots are sweet. <laughs> um, because I get in that, that same place. Yes, but I do. I'm sorry, I just want to um, go back to when I say like, listen to your body. The reason that I intuitive eating to me, even that term, I get a little worried because I don't want it to be an ex- I don't want it to be a, a license for people to be like, well, my body's saying I need Oreos. Because like I said, everybody's body at some point will say they want Oreos. So it really goes a little it's, it's a deeper, it's deeper than that. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I want to share that when you talked about, I love that you go into those other areas of life and it's not just about food, right? Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. The cravings come from somewhere deeper than your belly. I do believe that the reason that I'm in the best place ever with the way I feel about food. Now, let me just say, I'm not in the best place ever ever with superficially, do I look the best I've ever looked? That's what's interesting. I am the best place ever about how I feel. And I think that's more important. But as I've 
stepped into this podcast and done some uncomfortable things and, and, you know, gotten a coach, as you know, and looked at some trauma in my life from a different angle. And I've finally started doing things like mirror work and inner child work and journaling. The interesting thing is I know that that is the reason that I'm eating better. And so what you're saying is so true. When you said that, I want everyone to hear that what she's teaching works and it's real. Because as I've worked on those areas, I didn't even think about food or diet. But lo and behold, as I said, I can have some things that aren't quote unquote good for me with no guilt, with no attachment. It has no longer has a hold on me at all. I feel completely free. And Kate knows that I've not felt that way before. Um, it's such a great feeling. So if you follow what she's teaching and you do that exploration of the areas outside of food, you can find the freedom that you've always wanted in food. And so many of us think we're, we're achieving, right? Because we're working out all the time and we're eating gluten-free, dairy-free and no sugar and we look great. Meanwhile, we're miserable. And I'm just looking for peace. Aren't you? I'm just looking for peace. Yes, absolutely. And you know, when people hear that I'm a health coach, I think they think that I'm going to be giving them meal plans and like, so you're going to tell me what to eat? Like, hmm, no, (laughs) Uh, we'll talk about food and I can give you some ideas, but it goes so much deeper than that. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for the time that you've poured into us and for what you're doing for women. And um, we're really excited to see the programs that you're rolling out pretty soon. I know, tell everybody about your free offer that you have right now so they can kind of dip their little pinky toe in and see what you're all about. Yeah, so I've actually created two resources because I realized that everybody is not everybody's coming from the same place. So if you are new to wanting to explore clean eating or just getting yourself a little healthier, then I have a daily tracker and some easy, quick and easy swaps for you. So when you're next time you go to the grocery store, instead of buying what you normally buy, I give you some other ideas. And so if you want to download that, you can go to katebowser.com forward slash tracker. So it will be some easy meal swaps and then also a daily tracker where you can track how much water are you drinking? How much sleep are you getting? Have you moved your body? But then also like name something awesome that happened today. You know, we need to make sure that the mindset is part of it. And then if you're further along in your journey and you really want to start exploring, are there certain foods that maybe you should be avoiding? Because again, not everybody has to avoid everything, but you won't know unless you try it. If you want to try that on for size, I have a journal for you. Again, katebowser.com forward slash journal. Great. Thank you so much. So I'm looking forward to being a student and learning more from you. And we're grateful to have had you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear, so let me know in a DM on Instagram at JillHermanBU. Be sure to subscribe to the BU podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.